Hello and welcome to The Resonance Test. I'm your host, Kenji Ross from EPAM Continuum. It won't come as a surprise in 2021 to hear that data science remains an exciting, growing field. Once considered to be similar to statistics or even accounting, it's matured alongside a culture that has embraced big data and pattern finding. The hallmark of modern data science is its work with large, complex sets of data, which is expensive. It's expensive in people terms, uh, unstructured data often needs to be structured by humans, and it's expensive in computer terms. Big data sets ask for big storage and big processing power. So it's not surprising that businesses are looking for new ways to make data science viable from a business standpoint. Taking a page from the software developer's playbook, companies have begun to embrace agile methods to rapidly test, deploy, learn, and alter. And since data science creates models that are hungry for new data, why not feed the results back into the system? This begins to describe the way that leading-edge companies are utilizing something called data loops to help their machine learning efforts advance. It's a technique being adopted by the life sciences for preventative care and for therapeutics, by mobility companies looking to improve autonomous driving, and now by the insurance industry. Our very own Dimitri Grinberg, Managing Principal in Technology Consulting, spoke with John Reardon, VP and Senior Director of Global Risk Solutions Technology at Liberty Mutual Insurance, and Val Sitlik, EPAM's Head of Big Data Practice, about their work on data loops. They discussed creating priorities, making data insights part of day-to-day operations, and the unique challenges of working in a field that isn't quite standardized yet. Let's listen in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, welcome to our first podcast with um, Jonathan Regan, who owns All Things Data at Liberty Mutual GRS, and Val Sidlik, who owns All Things Data at EPA. Hi, guys. Um, John, I wanted to start with uh, data loop. Um, tell us what it is. Just describe it for us a little bit. Thanks, Dimitri. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, as you said, I, I head up our data and advanced analytics platforms with, within Global Risk uh, at Liberty Mutual. And like main, many other data and analytics uh, functions, you know, it's critical to our business. And not a day goes by uh, where there's not a, a new business opportunity, a need for deeper insight, or an area where automation can help, you know, all driven by data. Uh, and this is certainly a broad and complex landscape for, for any business, uh, especially for a global Fortune 100 insurer like us. So there's no quick and easy task uh, to get that all done, uh, but a set of initiatives, both near term and longer term, uh, that we have to execute on so that we can realize value along the way. Uh, and the data loop uh, that you just mentioned, that's really our framework uh, that helps us shape our priorities and technical approaches, uh, ensuring that we can realize incremental value and make it real along the way. So, you know, what it is to us, um, it's really some key uh, phases of the life cycle of data that helps us orient around what's what's most important. Uh, so, you know, first is, you know, we're capturing data in all kinds of places um, in our transactional systems. We're collecting data and ingesting data from a number of third-party data sources, uh, like a lot of companies. So the first thing we want to do is make sure that data is all, you know, accessible, you know, and, and we refer to that first step as, you know, unlocking 
the data and then integrating it into our environment. Um, and we also know that a lot of the data that enters an organization uh, today is unstructured. That means it comes in all kinds of different media, you know, many documents, uh, whether those are PDF files or Word docs or Excel docs, videos, photos, etc. And unlocking that data becomes uh, extra critical because we know that that represents probably 80 to 85% of all the data entering an organization. So that's, that's really key. And then the next step in that is, you know, how do we standardize it? How do we make it easy to access? How do we know what we have and, and provide reference uh, catalogs um, and making sure it's of, of good quality and we have good governance around it? And then once, once we have that in place, you know, we got to make it easy to access and provide, you know, good, modern self-service tooling whenever, wherever possible. And that's, you know, whether you're a data scientist or a data analyst or just a business operational user, uh, we want to make it as easy as possible. And then lastly, we want to be able to operationalize all the insights uh, that we gain from all those prior steps. And a lot of those insights today... Um, are incorporated uh, within some sort of a analytic model. Um, and, you know, in the old days, you know, I would say the world was flat. You know, um, we would collect data, we'd flow it through a variety of uh, systems, and then we would make it available through some kind of a report um, or a dashboard. You know, it was a one-way street. Um, and now really it's you know, more of a the world is round uh, scenario. You know, it's a connected ecosystem. Um, and completing that full data loop is how that data comes full circle and how we operationalize it back into the front lines of our business. And that's really where we, where we get the value. So in short, uh, that's our data loop. And that's how we think about it. And then each of those steps I, I referred to, you know, we can connect specific investments we're making with each of those uh, phases of the loop. That way, you know, we, we sort of see it as how are we completing that loop? How are we incrementally uh, improving uh, that full loop and uh, getting value along the way? And we just keep kind of iterating uh, through it like that. Thank you, John. Um, well, just a quick question for you. Um, how does a similar concept or concepts work in other industries? What has been your experience? Yeah, th thanks, Dmitry. Uh, good question. And, and hi, John. Uh, I think that uh, this, you know, the, the liberty uh, view on this, right? And the first time I sort of, we, we've seen it a few years ago when we, when we first met John, was, I think is very mature in that sense. In, in, and it's very mature in, in a couple of ways. I, I think first is that it really sort of, a, while, while it touches all of the essential sort of a processes and touch points of how data moves through the organization and, and being utilized in an organization, the focus on the value out of this data is, is what's critical, right? And we, we see this, you know, slowly and, and surprisingly late sort of a realization for ma many of their businesses that 
their sort of technology data programs run completely outside of any kind of discussions on how that is going to impact their business and what are the what are the sort of the key business initiatives that are uh, sort of will be impacted by that. So so even the the sort of discussion on a value chain and a, and a, and that data loop is effectively being this sort of process of enriching this data, extracting data, enriching data, and providing this meaningful insights, I think is very, very sort of exciting and mature. And I, you know, we, and the second one is that I, I really think is, is meaningful is that once you start talking about data loop, you stop talking about a project, right? And very often today, uh, enterprises run those data projects, right? Big implementations, or we'll just implement a data platform, we'll implement a specific insight, versus looking holistically at this as a continuous process where as you're ingesting more data, as as you're providing more access to to various customer users, as you're building more and more insights, this machine will continue generating new demand for the new data sources, for the new data insights, and, and this process theoretically does not have a meaningful sort of ending point, but in reality, it's, it's basically the more, the more business impact this program is making, the, the more sort of effective, the, the, the more investments will go into certain key points of this program. Go ahead. So this, this is um, sort of an evolutionary you're basically saying uh, continuous uh, initiative, right? That uh, that always is ongoing. So I'm just curious, John, how how does um, I suppose handoff works in in this world um, of data loop? Like, how do teams engage? How do they? How does functionality or capability gets handed over from team to team? Yeah, thank, thanks. Good question, and uh, I appreciate you know Val's perspective there that, that he just outlined, uh, and that that's certainly one of the key things that that we think uh, is is really important for us is is that uh, incremental iterative approach uh, aligns very nicely with you know our agile uh, development um, methodology and approach around this, and we've worked really hard. Um, over the past couple of years to bring many of the agile principles into the data science and data engineering space. Uh, so that loop in the iterative approach uh, really um, brings a high emphasis to agility, right? And iterating quickly so that we're investing, you know, um, with very specific use cases in mind, um, see the value, get the value, um, if we're not achieving, you know, the result we're looking for, we can pivot quickly um, and then move to the next thing. Because we know that historically many of these, you know, data platform, data management type uh, projects can be significant, um, multi-year, uh, many millions of dollars, and you're not necessarily getting the value along the way. So. Doing that in an agile manner is is really how we we try to get the the quicker returns with with an eye towards you know an end state. So with that approach, um, we engage teams through an agile framework, um, very similar to how we would execute on any of our other uh, software engineering initiatives. Right, we have uh, quarterly planning practices. 
where teams across the organization are sharing priorities, um, getting their their priority items into a backlog, um, you know, with as much lead time as possible, sharing uh, together across the teams um, what each needs from each other in order to execute on that, um, and then you know, getting the the front line teams uh, collaborating you know, on a day-to-day basis as, as they're building together. So that's pretty, pretty much how we uh, approach it and make sure, you know, the teams, you know, are, are engaged and, and really understand, you know, the value and, um, you know, how we're going to attack it. Thank you, John. And, uh, given that this is agile and iterative approach, how do you figure out what, the priorities are like where, where is where does this happen? And I suppose just if you could unpack this a little bit, you know, f- for the most part, every everything that that we're doing, you know, we try to you know um, quantify what what the the value will be uh, depending on on the business context. Uh, some of our initiatives um, are very clear, right? They they have some kind of measurable outcome. Could be, you know, some kind of an expense-focused uh, return, or it could be um, some other uh, customer value proposition. Um, you know how we can run our business more efficiently. Uh, you know, reduce uh, claims expense or, or loss outcomes, things like that. Um, but many of them actually, you know, don't have it quite clarified right at the beginning um, because it's more uh, of a foundational. Build out. So what we try to do is pair up, you know, what are the minimum foundational components we need to build? And if we do that on a use case basis, we know that we can complete the loop to get the return on a particular use case uh, with the minimum level of investment in each foundational component. Um, and that's, you know, looking at, you know, a very MVP approach there. Um, because otherwise, you know, we can definitely overbuild, over-engineer, um, and not get the value, you know, for quite some time. So I'd say at the core, Dimitri, it's all about, you know, using our use case um, method through the loop um, and, and really trying to think MVP with, with each incremental step. And that's, that's, and if we can tie that to the, you know, the, the uh, components that are measurable as best we can, um, then the priorities become quite clear. So, and maybe, Mitchell, maybe I'll have a, a question for, for John as well, because I think that, you know, while most of the sort of a steps of these data loops, you know, they, you know, at the end of it, it's, it's fairly traditional sort of engineering practices, right? Data integration, building the platform, you know, cleaning data, integrating data. But, you know, some of the things that are, that uh, you're doing are a little bit less kind of, a, a, you know, established. And, you know, specifically when it comes to operationalizing all of the machine learning work. And, and so even maybe slowly, you know, you started even, I think, before ML Ops became a common kind of terminology for that. So... I was, you know, maybe hoping you can share a few thoughts about, 
you know, what, what you find, uh, you know, was, was, was a success and what was difficult and, and putting together effectively today MLOps platform and some of the MLOps processes as a part of this data loop. Because that, that cannot have, that could not have been very sort of familiar and there's not, there hasn't been a lot of established sort of a knowledge in, in this space today. And, oh, at least when you were starting to build this. Yeah, Val, that that's uh, actually a, a really good question, and uh, it's something we've we've spent a lot of time uh, working towards o- over the last few years. Um, I'd say, at the core, um, we believe the not overly complicated here, um, but we feel the more uh, that we can build our our models and our capabilities with with a simple API approach, the more we can easily, you know, integrate those insights into different parts um, of our environment. Um, so one of the things we did is we we invested significantly in a way that we could deploy every analytic model we build as an API, as a, an exposed consumable API. That way, um, if we want to integrate that model into one of our uh, frontline transactional systems, we can do that fairly easily. Um, if we want to uh, deploy that in, in a separate web interface uh, for different user groups to use, we can do that. Um, if we want to integrate that model into any of our business intelligence environments uh, to you know incorporate with other you know dashboards, we can do that. So, at the core, it's it's doing um, what we're doing with a lot of our applications, and that it's making that capability you know API enabled, um, and that that really helped us a lot with you know how to approach it. So that I'd say that that's a number one. Um, I'd say the, the next thing Val is. Um, the more you can build simple, um, simple models uh, and deploy them quickly, uh, iterate quickly, uh, the better. Um, I think we all have this tendency that you know we want the the next best thing, and we 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 are looking for you know the home run, uh, and and that can lead to you know significant complexity, uh, where sometimes we're you know. Uh, you know, we, we expect more than what is really achievable. Um, I think the better result often comes from, you know, the simple models just implemented fast and, and executed well, um, and then iterate quickly from there. You can always extend things. You can always build more capabilities into them if you're seeing, you know, the, the value. Um, but, you know, if you over-engineer and you build something that's too complex, you know, it's it's hard to go back at that point. Um, so that's how we approach the AI ML, you know, operations uh, with our world. It's start API enabled and, and then build um, incrementally um, the same way we're building any of our software assets, you know, thinking about deployment pipelines. What are each of the steps along the way um, that we can automate um, with, you know, infrastructure as code uh, wherever possible. Um, so that as we deploy models, we can do that really quickly with very little uh, manual interaction. That's very cool, and I and I assume 
there's been a bit of a culture change to kind of get to that API first. So it's not just a technology change, but I assume between both sort of a, the, your teams and then the teams consuming these APIs, you know, you, you have to do quite a lot of education and quite a lot of sort of just, 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 you know, maybe, maybe proselytizing that approach and kind of getting, getting it sort of easy and accessible to a larger organization. Is that, is that still on the way or you feel like, you know, your organization's already sort of learned that and now it's a, it's, it's the, it's a de facto standard <laughs> for liberty? Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a journey, uh, not a destination. You know, we're, we're definitely uh, on that journey. We've, we've come a, a long ways, uh, but I'd say it's definitely an area where, where you can easily um, understate or, or even miss you know the cultural aspect that that's required uh, to, to to head down this path, and uh, we spent a lot of time in our business group, you know, educating um, our leaders first. Um, actually, we put together um, uh, a program, actually, in joint partnership with with you and EPAM, uh, to educate uh, all our leaders um, about you know API API enablement, you know, cloud. Um, capabilities, um, and other, uh, a number of other important topics uh, so that, you know, we could build the basis uh, for that culture change so that they could help all of their engineering teams kind of down this, down this journey. So you definitely want to put the time in there. The technology generally is the easy part uh, of something like this, but embracing that um, way of working is, is, is a bigger change. Uh, but then once you know you you get on that path and the teams are get it, it it's really uh, amazing to see um, how quickly uh, then they can adapt uh, to business and technology changes and and we've definitely seen the fruits of that um, as we've been going forward here and and I think this is one one thing that I also find very refreshing is how much the senior management and not just again not just technology management but executive team and business team of liberty is interested in educating themselves on you know what what are the current sort of what what is the art of possible today in technology and what they can get out of that 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 must be you know for for somebody like yourself who's a technology leader that might be very very refreshing to to talk to a business partners who who are actually willing to learn and have some, you know, interest in having some general literacy in 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 the in your domain in your space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and again, that's this this is stuff you you learn as you go, and and you know sometimes uh, you, you make some some mistakes along the way, or you under uh, appreciate uh, the impact of some some of that. Um, but but what we've learned. Uh, is in order to be successful in a in a new you know digital world, you know all our business leaders have to really be more educated about you know technology, um, about how digital capabilities can you know uh, move their business, um, you know create new market opportunities um, and things like that, and all our technologists really need to better uh, understand, you know, the business um, because it's really the combination that brings the power. Um, you know, you can't just, 
implement technology for technology's sake. You know, it's what technologies are going to really make a difference to our business. Uh, so the more we understand that, uh, the better. And uh, yeah, and we all know that behind all change, you know, are, are, are the great people that we have, you know, in our organization and understanding the change management aspect um, with with all our people um, and, and how to best, you know, execute on that is, is paramount. Thank you, guys. I just want to ask one final question for John, both you and Val. Um, what does future look like for data at Liberty Mutual? And for Val, how, where do you see the industries, the different industries are having in the future also for data? Well, at Liberty Mutual, you know, um, the the end uh, is nowhere in sight, right? It, this is uh, this is an area we believe will will be what you know determines our success um, in the years to come. How we use our data and the value we can derive from it. Uh, so, you know, we're uh, we're going, you know, as quickly uh, as possible along that journey to uh, to make sure all the data in our organization is unlocked and made available as easy and quickly as possible to you know to our data science teams to our data analyst teams because you know getting that data in the hands of, of those experts uh, is is really the magic right so the the way that we look at it is you know how can all of this ultimately, you know, help our customers. Uh, and that's really, you know, how we, we look at the future is how can we bring the power of the data and the power of, of other technologies uh, to, to bear, uh, to, to make the lives of our customers, um, our policyholders, and all our partners, you know, better. I, I think of things we're doing now with uh, connecting aerial imagery, geocoding data, um, our policy data and weather data all together so that we can more quickly deploy resources or settle claims uh, so people can put their lives back in order after a catastrophe event. You know, that's like our core business and that's all powered by data. Um, I think of things we're doing not just after a claim happens, um, but to prevent a claim in the first place. And we're doing a ton of work uh, to create uh, analytics uh, that are targeted directly at preventing uh, losses from happening um, and working with our, our customers, our brokers and other partners uh, on, on insights that can actually, you know, uh, be uh, proactive and, and prevent, which obviously is the ideal outcome. So we've been putting a lot focus on predictive modeling to, to, to do just that. So that's where I see the future. It's um, more and more. Uh, putting that power of the data to work uh, to yeah help us run a more efficient business, but really to to help our customers. So, and I think that that especially this this last uh, sentiment uh, John mentioned about you know using data not just to sort of a focus on a, on a optimizing, for example, risk portfolio, but actually driving you know, better behaviors and driving sort of a, like preventing certain sort of negative uh, outcomes from happening. This is super exciting. And in terms of sort of a general 
direction where I think, you know, the way I'm looking today at the, the state of the, the industry overall, I believe we, we very, very early in this journey, even in the most successful technology organizations today, such as Google's and Facebook's of the world. I think that the amount of business decisions or, or amount of business that is sort of a done through through machine learning is still, a, I believe, a fairly small percentage of of large number of decisions that you know, folks do through 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 the day, and still, may, you know, many of those decisions are dr- driven through intuition rather than facts, rather than algorithm, rather than sort of hard data, and. I think we're just at the beginning of the transformation, and in order to make it more effective, uh, I think we will have to we will have to understand much better how to scale both all of the platforms, how to make this data loop more cost effective and faster and almost you know effectively real time, and more importantly how to sort of bring all of this intelligence, how to bring all of this AI ML expertise without generating, you know, hundreds of millions of machine learning, you know, experts and data scientists, but really bringing a lot of sort of a experts, business experts into this process and and really scale the, this AI ML through organization, uh, you know, by democratizing it and by, by making the tools and, and insight available across the organization. So I think that's very exciting, but at the same time, I think we, 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 we will not get there without putting some very basic fundamental capabilities, such as you know, what, what Liberty has done today with their platforms, with their approaches, with the methodologies, and without showing very good sort of effective results to, to your business partners. EPAM Continuum integrates business experience and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. At EPAM Continuum, we're very deliberate about the term innovation. For us, it means turning ideas into stuff that's real. Because from our perspective, ideas aren't really innovative until they exist. Thanks are due to our guests, Jonathan Reardon and Val Sitlik for a data-driven interview. They were interviewed by Dimitri Grinberg, Ken Gordon is our producer, Kip Palalis is our sound engineer, and I'm your host, Kenji Ross. Until the next one, thank you. <laughs>